0: Welcome to Food Chat, a weekly show that's all about food production, including farming, ranching, processing, and basically all things involved in getting food from the field to your plate. Now, let's get you reconnected to your food, and here are your hosts, Greg Bloom and Chef Jackson Lamb. Talk
1: about an uphill battle, 2,000 acres of beans and cattle
0: but he don't ever get rattle, he just goes to the sun goes down good afternoon and welcome to food chat your host chef jackson lamb that's me and greg bloom with barber foods food chat is all about your food where it comes from how it gets to you we work with ranchers farmers uh all types of food producers you know today we're going into the holiday season and we thought we'd talk about cooking at home versus cooking in restaurants and so uh, uh, Greg good to see you yeah good to be here and yeah today's topic is great it's should I stay or should
1: I go should I stay home and what does that involve you know as far as preparing for your guests and or you know there are some benefits to going out and of course there are some benefits to staying home so we're gonna go through all that today
0: I love that you know as we uh, approached Thanksgiving. Boy, you see the ads for all the different types of foods in the supermarkets. You know, we heard a lot that, oh, it's going to be the most expensive Thanksgiving ever. We got to bear in mind, turkey is usually the cheapest protein out there. And so it's still an economical meal. The other issue is while it's really promoted to go out to a restaurant, go to a hotel, the big buffet, a lot of people stay home. That's really probably the bulk of it. But, you know, what we see is an equal representation of people dining out. I can't cook for 12 versus those people that I have been guilty of hosting dinner for 25 people in the past a couple of times. And, of course, you know what I say after each one? I'll never do it again. I'll never do it again. Yeah, that's what but I say. But it's so enjoyable that you you have to. So anyway, Greg, why don't you uh, take off and give us some of your experiences.
1: Well, I was just going to say if you are thinking of going out, uh, you really should. This is, you know, um, the time right now to be making that reservation and getting your number in there. Because if you wait two weeks before... Christmas or the New Year or whatever holiday you're celebrating with your your family and friends, you're you're gonna run out of space. They're not gonna have anything for you, and so and also you know uh, if you want to cook at home, let's talk about proteins. Now there's you know for Thanksgiving everyone traditionally does a turkey, but. For Christmas and New Year, there's just so many other options. You could do a leg of lamb, you could do a crown roast, you could do uh, a lot of people do a prime rib roast or a whole beef tenderloin roast. Uh, But but even that, you want to get that going now. You want to wait. You want to order that from RanchFreshMeats.com, one of our sponsors, or go to your local meat store or wherever you buy your meat and get that secured now and not wait. Especially like a prime rib, you know I like to buy mine this week and age it in my cooler in the vacuum bag that it comes in, all intact. I don't open the bag, but I keep that thing on the coldest part of my cooler, let it start wet aging. So it's
0: delicious come Christmas Eve. Yeah. You know, uh, before we talk about the other proteins, Greg, I know about wet aging and dry aging. Probably some of our listeners don't. Let's just touch base on that for a minute or two. Okay, well,
1: you know, uh, dry aging
0: is not that common because
1: it involves, just like it sounds, the meat out in the open. And while it does impart a lot of flavor, you lose a lot of moisture. And the outside, we call it the bark, but you could lose, you know, depends on how long you dry age it for, but you could lose a half inch to an inch of the meat on the outside. And that's why when you go into a dry aging cooler or see one, the meat looks all dark you know it's looking dehydrated and 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 purplish and pretty dark well all that's going to get cut off sure so you have a pretty tremendous yield loss from dry aged meat which is why it costs so much right it's very expensive
0: well when you really think about it a store will bring in let's say uh 10 prime ribs okay right they're not going to sell the whole prime rib they might cut that up into four smaller roasts okay right right well they just spent you know $8.99 8.99 a pound for the prime rib 109 that came in the back door but they can't sell it yet. Right. Now they have to sit on it for 4 or 6 weeks. So really when you think about aged meat it's not unlike aged scotch. You know, when you get a 12-year-old scotch or a 20-year-old scotch, it's a little bit more expensive than blended scotches. That's because you have to help pay the rent. Right. That's wet. really
1: how that all ties in. And more affordable is the wet age option. And, you know, most restaurants are using wet age beef, and, you know, they're going to put 14 to 28 to 30 to 40 days of of age on that uh, ribeye or that strip loin or that top whatever now a tenderloin doesn't need that much and here's why a tenderloin is already tender you don't need a tenderloin to age to be more tender um, and it does give it a little bit more of a robust flavor but i don't like to age my tenderloins past 21 days because i have found that if you go too long they can taste kind of livery you know just a little
0: off. i know that flavor yeah? yes I have, I've sensed that in the past. Hey, there's one other uh, technique, that's fresh meat. That's what a lot of people are used to buying at the local supermarket chains. And so, you know, that's meat that's not even a week old. That was uh, processed up in Greeley or up in uh, Fort Lupton, and that is in your store the following week. Yeah, right. So there's not age on that. You know, when we talk about aging of, of, of meat, really what we're talking about is controlled Disintegration. That's right. That's really a funny way to put it. Right. But what we're trying to do is we're getting the the collagens or the muscles in the meat to break down, and that's what leads to the tenderness. Right.
1: And it's so important to do that with beef. I mean, beef's good regardless, but it tastes so much better. Yeah. I mean, if you want, I I get asked a lot, "Why can't I do a restaurant quality steak at home?" And I'm like, "Well, you can, but you just need to do what they do at the restaurant, which is use aged meat." And then cook it right. You know,
0: no secret. Exactly right. Hey, I'll tell you what. I was playing around with tenderloin steaks over the weekend. I had got a new grill. I love it. Wanted to go out and test drive it. You know, the thing burns so hot. I thought I had two perfectly rare seared tenderloins completely raw on the inside. This new grill I have is burning so hot, I've got to learn how to tone it down oh, yeah. so that I get the, the the proper balance between the cooking and the searing. So how fun that is. You should is.
1: practice on chicken. That's cheaper if you wrote it. I know. Hey, but listen,
0: you now that you've mentioned chicken, you know, we take a look at the holidays, and every major food category is usually represented. In the pork family, it's usually one of those... Uh, pork crown roasts you've seen them on the covers of magazines it's when they have those little booties on the end of the uh, yep. of the bones and it looks absolutely great that's a pork dish a lot of people i grew up we would have a, a glazed uh, ham with pineapple right. so that was very traditional at uh, christmas Ah, uh, we get into prime rib and we get into the beef products. Of course, that's going to be on the higher end of the cost spectrum, but it—I mean—Charles t- Dickens really made uh, uh, prime rib uh, a classic English uh, Christmas dinner. Right. So that's immortalized in uh, uh, one of his books. So that's absolutely great. We're having a, a group over, and a, a part of our presentation is we're doing steak Oscar, which is tenderloin. Crab, asparagus, and Bernays sauce Wow! over mashed potatoes. It's wonderful. But not everybody eats that. So we're also going to do a complete salmon filet. Nice. So there's another option for our, uh, our listeners out there. Yeah, and I got one more. Yeah. We're going to do uh,
1: a culotte steak. What is a culotte steak? Well, that is a less expensive than prime rib and less expensive than beef tenderloin, delicious sirloin roast, Off the top sirloin and in South America especially Brazil and and uh, Argentina they call this by the Spanish word picanha and a picanha if you go to any Brazilian steakhouse and you know you do the all you can eat they bring out this this beef on a sword well that's a picanha that's a sirloin cap and that that steak is very very affordable delicious flavor and then we're gonna do sea bass we have sea bass now at wild caught sea bass caught by our friend taryn uh who's been on this show before and up in alaska and that'll be on ranchfreshmeats.com um this week so people can order sea bass and picanias if they want to try something just a little different this year
0: very good so you know when we talk about all the different proteins that we can serve at home we could get into the sides, but that would, you know, we could talk about that all day long. But a lot of people are thinking, man, it sounds like a lot of work, Greg. You know, maybe I should just make a reservation and take the clan out.
1: Well, let's say they were thinking that, that along those lines. And you've been, you know, in the restaurant industry for your whole life. So what kind of things should people look for? when they're thinking about going out, and not just in terms of affordability and the quality of the atmosphere, but like even food safety, you know? Should, they, should that even be in their, in their head, yeah. thinking about foods? Because the last thing you want to do is have a bunch of people in town for the holidays and they all get sick. Yeah,
0: and that has happened in the past. Yes. You know, um, I am invited to a party next week, and it is in a downtown steakhouse, all right? And I'm thinking, ooh, we're all having steak. Well, there's 150 people on the guest list. I don't think we're all having steak. As a matter of fact, the party goes from 4.30 to 6.30. So, you know... 4 30 to 6 30 isn't that a little early well of course it is it's the only time you can get into a restaurant Mm. and so we were able to get our group of a hundred plus into uh i'll say ruth chris downtown uh we'll be in there for two hours uh drinks and hors d'oeuvres which is great but that ties into if you really do want to go out Early is better. Um, You know, a lot of people have this New York, East Coast mentality, 9 o'clock reservation, 10 o'clock reservation. Those are the first ones to be all booked up. And especially on New Year's Eve, somebody's going to make a 930 reservation. They're not going anywhere. So as a result, we find that if you can possibly make an earlier reservation, you can get in and get out uh, before the, the madness happens. Now, when you're going to take a
1: group of, let's say, 15 people to a restaurant, um, do you think it's a better idea to look for a restaurant that has a private room like their own? You're kind of walled off from the general room, just so you have a little more privacy, or do you think that really matters? And are those rooms even available this late in the game, do you think?
0: It's, that is a trend nowadays where a lot of restaurants are, are building separate dining rooms that can be leased out to private parties. Quite often, uh, a restaurant may uh, say, no, uh, 25 person minimum Uh. for that room. So, you know, when we look at, I could rattle off a half a dozen restaurants that have those types of rooms, which is great. Ideally, you would go into a place like that and you would say, I'm bringing in a group of 20 on on December 21st and I'd like to have this room. And then what do you do is you set it up like a catered affair, you know? Do you want 21 people ordering 21 entrees off the menu, or do you want to limit that to improve service and move the night along? Because I have seen those types of scenarios where all of a sudden you've got 21 people, you've got uh, 15 different entrees, you have 12 different appetizers, and it's rather difficult to keep it all in track,
1: yeah, not everybody can get served at the same time, sometimes. exactly. But the problem is when you have like a, a, a chicken or fish option, you know, you go to a lot of places and you want chicken or fish, or maybe there's another option, but you know, sometimes the one of them looks awesome and the other one looks terrible, and then your guests that got the one that looks terrible because it's dry and whatever maybe it's the chicken they're not too happy, and they, you know, then they can't switch at the last minute because, of course, the chef's are already cooked. Let's talk about you know. Should you pick an entree and say, hey, everybody's having steak unless you're a vegan, or everyone's having the pork tenderloin unless you're a vegan? Should you do that? And then also, let's talk about the budget. What's a reasonable budget per person for people to think about if they want to take a group
0: out for the holidays? Sure. Well, Greg, uh, to answer your first question, you and I have been at such a dinner. Yes, we have. <laughs> where I, my entree was absolutely the best, and my wife's entree was like, what? And you're right. It's already been served. There's 175 people in the room, and we don't have – there is no plan B. Right. So uh, that does uh, – that happens. So let's go backwards to your second question, which is, you know, what's a budget for this? Well, let's just say that you wanted to have a dinner for eight at home, Okay. And you want to do that tenderloin Chateaubriand, okay? Mm-hmm. Let's describe that. That's glazed carrots. That's, uh, that's going to be green beans or asparagus. That's going to be tournée potatoes, bernay sauce on the side. Oh, I'm getting hungry already. Yum. Yeah. But if we were to just go out and buy the parts, okay? We're trying to feed uh, eight people. So you've got to figure, here's a great question. How much do people eat? it depends it depends that's the proper answer is it uh the demographic makes a uh, makes a big change in that uh, men right. or women heavy or light a time of day appetizer is, list do you
1: have are you having enough up on the appetizer or is it just tr- a salad and
0: then the entree well in the, in in the big picture you really got to break it down to ounces right and i i have a formula that i teach my students where in a buffet environment If you're going to go through all the classic items on a buffet, and we see buffets during the holidays, that's for sure. Um, I estimate that it's really, it's about two ounces of protein. um, I'm sorry, four ounces of protein, four ounces of starch, pasta, rice, or potatoes, Uh usually two ounces of vegetable, one ounce of salad. One ounce, that doesn't sound like a lot. That's a lot. That is a lot of salad. You know, the biggest <clears throat> plastic tub that you can buy in your local supermarket, I can feed 30 with that. I have done that in a classroom environment. Right. So when you start buying all the parts, you know, all of a sudden you're uh, you're at you're $10 ahead anyway. Okay. Right. Well, then you got to figure out what is the value of your time, your effort, what's your work schedule, and uh, can you uh, get things organized to have everybody come to your home, we have to clean the bedrooms, we have to clean the bathrooms, we have to clean the kitchen. You know, all that other stuff goes... Into play.
1: Well, and then the holiday may may not be too relaxing for some members of your family if they have to clean the house. So, you know, I have been involved, and I think most people listening have been involved at some point with planning a meal for a wedding or for some kind of a celebration. And, you know, typically when you go in and talk to a restaurant or the banquet manager at the catering company, you know, your options are uh, chicken, pork, and beef. And then, you know, chicken is less expensive per pound than than beef and pork. But the problem is some proteins are better served all at once because they can retain heat they can they can be cooked a half an hour ago and be kept warm and then you put a sauce over them they're still good other proteins not so much why don't you speak about that
0: boy talk about reaching into my kitchen last night uh last night we did braised chicken with parsnips and carrots whoa how does that work So we take two chicken breasts. I season them up. I put them in a a heavy cast iron pan, and I sear them on both sides 10 minutes each. They're not cooked all the way, but they're a nice golden brown on the outside. I remove those chickens. I add the parsnips and the carrots, onions and garlic for flavor. Let those saute by themselves for about five minutes. Uh, In the meantime, I'm taking the chicken, and I'm shredding it, shredding it, shredding it. And before I put the chicken back in the pan, I take a cup of white wine, I deglaze the pan. You know, sometimes we look at the pan, oh, look how dirty the pan is. There's flavor in that. That's called fond, F-O-N-D, that's a French term, but that's really the basis of pan drippings. The acid in wine will loosen all that up. That becomes part of your sauce later nice, on. Nice. So once we loosen that up, then I add uh, vegetable stock—not chicken stock or beef stock, but vegetable stock because the dish is primarily um, uh, a vegetable dish with chicken in it. But now I've got a chicken stock base. That stayed hot all night long, Greg. You know, that's something where I'm in a hot, submersible liquid, and when we're ready for another bowl, we just get the ladle, and it's kind of like having a soup, all right? But I've got protein in there, I've got vegetables in there, and it was delicious. You know, when you're cooking at
1: home, too, one thing to think about is, uh, I'd like to have all the cooking done when my guests arrive. So that my head is not on the food and the meat and will I burn it or is it done? I want to be done. When the doorbell rings, I'm ready to just engage my guests. Can you cook some meals like the day before and just heat them up or would they still be delicious that way or or how, how what would you suggest about that like for example just I like to cook tri-tips and the picanhas I mentioned earlier the caps because I can cook them on my barbecue on my smoker and then when the guests arrive they're done wrapped in foil and whenever we get around to eating they're they're gonna be nice yeah. it's not like steaks or burgers off the grill which no one wants a cold burger or a cold steak so then you're kind of trying to time it more
0: so what would you say about that so it, it, it's all in the timing. Um, I will say that traditionally for Thanksgiving, I cook the turkey the day before or two days before. When you really think about it, you know, I'm a classic chef. Not only do I want the white meat and the dark meat, I want those bones. I got to get in there and get those bones to make stock. And that's another three-hour process. And so I have seen, you know, young home cooks, daughter-in-laws, sons, um, they're trying to get, okay, Dinner's going to be ready at 2. Well, the turkey went in at 11. The turkey's not going to be ready. We're not going to be able to make gravy. We're not going to be able to have the stuffing come out. And so it's all in the time. Well, and there. the kitchen's going to be a
1: catastrophe when your guests arrive because you're in the middle of food production. Absolutely. So
0: I think as much
1: as you can, if you're going to entertain for the holidays and cook, cook the day before or two days before.
0: Plus, the added benefit of that is usually the food tastes better anyway the next day. Well, think about it. Mashed potatoes are easily holdable overnight. Uh, We did sweet potatoes last week. The same thing. And then they can be microwaved. Save space in your uh, oven. Uh, Green beans or fresh vegetables, I'd wait till the day of. They're going to go rather quickly. They're going to cook in about an hour or so. Um, Here we are talking about doing a turkey the day before. What about the ham and the pork roast and the beef and all that kind of stuff? Let's start with beef. OK, I think in previous shows we've talked about sous vide applications. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just to remind our listeners, the sous vide uh, system is when we take any any product. You can take vegetables. You can take. I've seen fruit go in there. I've seen eggs go in there. But if we take, let's say I have six tenderloin steaks, I can put them in a plastic bag and suck all the air out of there. I'm going to pre season them with salt and pepper and a little bit of garlic. I put those in 129-degree water for two hours, three hours, four hours, eight hours. It's not going to cook any more than 129 degrees. Right. And so as a result, I can – in fact, I did this last week. Um, uh, one of my sons came over for dinner. I had a culotte steak, and I put that in the sous vide, and it was in there for three or four hours. He came home. We took it out of the sous vide. Turned around, put it on the grill. It was done in 15 minutes. Yeah. So, you know, that's a great way to hold a product also uh, so that you can turn and burn when you're ready.
1: I have seen a lot of restaurants do meat the same way you just described as you go in and you order a, a nice piece of, you know, roast or steak, whatever. It was cooked two, three days ago or yesterday in sous vide for 12 hours. That's correct. And then just thrown on the grill yeah. when you ordered it, and that was flash for, you know, took, took a few minutes. And you wouldn't know it. You wouldn't know it. Yeah. You'd have no idea. You would have no idea. Unless you work in the back of the house.
0: That's exactly correct. Many years ago, um, uh, Gene Tang had a restaurant down on Market Street called 1515. You know what the address was? 1515. Market Street, yeah. I said, I said Gene, why, why did you name the restaurant this? He goes, all the other good names were taken. So, uh, but anyway, he had that steak on his menu. And I think he called it the 24-hour tenderloin. Nice. And uh, basically, you know, really what we've got is you've got these sealed tenderloins floating around in a, in, a, in a hot tub. That's really what they're doing. And they're all at the same temperature. They cannot overcook. That's the beautiful thing about that.
1: Whether you're cooking at home or you're going to go out for the holidays, I think it's a great idea if you look for local products. And this show is all about local products. We've had so many local. We've had produce people on, beef people on. We've had just all kinds of different um, producers of different foods in Colorado on, wine. And, you know, I have a question for you, uh, Chef, and I have um, a little bit of a comment on this, but why does it cost a little bit more to buy local products? than products that are sourced
0: not local. You know, when you think about it, yes, organic is, uh, you know, it's lack of herbicides, lack of pesticides. The problem there is it takes more labor. Just because they have more, more of nature that they're fighting, right. if you will. Yeah. And and so, and they're trying not to use mechanization. And so as a result, you know, any type of uh, fertilization or pesticide management they're going to do is going to be on the natural side with bees or other pollinators Mm -hmm. so that becomes uh, difficult the other issue is if a farmer has x amount of acres he needs x amount of yield to justify using that ground right and so basically you know he may see in his head well man, i need fifty thousand dollars worth of produce out of this field to make this justifiable and it's You know, sometimes with organic, it's just not there. And sometimes with organic, since we don't have the pesticides and the herbicides, we get um, uh, food decay a little quicker.
1: Yeah, right. Their thing is that, you know, these local produced products are not produced in the same kind of huge economic scale, right? They're small ranches, small farms, and there's less efficiency there. You know, they pay more for boxes because the guy using truckloads of boxes buys his boxes better. And every produce that comes into any store is in a box. So the cardboard box costs something. And not only that, but they buy their fertilizers and all their inputs, their seeds. They're paying more for all of that product. So, yeah, they're just a little less efficient. But I think it's worthy to know that just just go ahead and, and uh, you know, ask for local products. I like to ask the chef. Here's what we're thinking with a menu, a local menu. We're, we're thinking X dollars a person. Let's just say it's $40. Do you have, what can you do for $40 a person times 15 people? And can you incorporate some local products? Absolutely. And they know right away, yes sure. or no. They know, oh, for 40 I can do this. And then you're like, well, what could you do for 50 Well, for 50 I could do this. Yeah. You know, so.
0: So if we were to start in the protein category, you know, we have uh, potatoes all over the state, San Luis Potatoes. Okay? And they're shelf-stable. Right. So there's a local product that's available all year round. All year round, right. Uh, when we look at root vegetables, the most prominent is carrots. Right. And we're probably eating last year's carrots right now. Probably. And so as a result, there's an, yet another um, uh, item that is uh, uh, locally available. You know, we get into rice. I think there are, uh, we've got some rice fields out in Alamosa as well. All right. We get into uh, the proteins. We produce all of those proteins, Greg. Everything that, you know, between pork and chicken. And uh, uh, I don't think we have a turkey processor in the state, but we certainly have, uh, we've got the feedlots and, yeah. the, and the beef action going on
1: yeah, here. Yeah, lots of beef. We have, uh, you know, ranchfreshmeats.com, one of our sponsors. We They do source as sure. much as they can local product, local bison local beef uh yeah but there's no chicken production anymore except for egg lane there's egg lane hens in Mon- Monterosa, uh, you know the western southwest part of the state but but uh, no no birds are raised here anymore for meat production exactly any longer.
0: Yeah. exactly so,
1: well that's a great way to just we're already out of time chef i appreciate you coming on the show today with me and talking about uh cooking for the holidays or going out and uh I hope everyone, whatever they do, just has a wonderful holiday season.
0: I think it's going to be a great holiday season. And, you know, in these days of strife, look how quickly we all came together for one day last week. That was great. Fantastic. Hey, everybody, thanks for tuning in to Food Chat this week. Today's show is brought to you by Ranch Fresh Meats. At Ranch Fresh Meats, we found the best quality bison, beef, chicken, pork, and more. And you can get it all in one box from one locally owned Colorado company. Ranch Fresh Meats has some great gift boxes put together for the gourmet meat lover in your family. Steak boxes, bacon lover boxes, and assorted gift boxes to fit every budget. Go to ranchfreshmeats.com. And while you're there, sign up for the weekly newsletter and a chance to win a free case of meat every week. RanchFreshmeats.com
1: Here's to the farmer, the plants, the fields and the spring. The turn from green to that harvest honey. Hold one up for the banker downtown. That got him on his feet with handshake of money. Here's to the farmer's wife that loves him every night. Raising a daughter, they gather round the table, send it up to the father. Somehow they get closer when times get harder. Here's to the farmer.
0: The views and opinions expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect those of Crawford Broadcasting, the station, management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station.